What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Outside the Arena. I'm Griffin Senek alongside my co-host, Rob Goldberger. Happy happy to be finally back after, I think, what was a six-month or so hiatus. But um, we're back today. Got a lot to talk about. Um, a lot of news. Obviously, we just had the NBA Finals and the Stanley Cup Finals wrap up. Congratulations to the Nuggets and the Golden Knights. We saw the NFL draft happen a few months ago. Some big NFL storylines we're going to touch on. But we are going to start with the most relevant news, which happened yesterday. Bradley Beal, finally out of Washington. He's going to be heading to the Phoenix Suns to form a super team. Uh, seems like that's always what Kevin Durant's on these days. KD, Booker, Bradley Beal all together. Chris Paul, Landry Shamet, and a whole bunch of second-round picks. Are, it's a mess going back to the Wizards. Deal's not finalized yet, but Rob... Your initial thoughts, obviously, huge blockbuster news in the NBA world. So my initial thoughts are, number one, that you're not going to see a no-trade clause given to a caliber of that player, I think, for a very, very long time. Because I think it handicapped – the contract that they gave him handicapped the return so badly. But it also presents a, a, you know, a little bit of a dilemma for some of these smaller market teams. Because it's either you lose a guy like Bradley Beal for nothing in free agency, or he signs for 5 250 and then three years later, he is neg- he's almost negative trade valuable value for a player of that quality because of the no- trade clause, because you're paying him $50 million a year. And, and the best you know you're getting back is I- I'm sure the Clippers will give them a couple of juicy things for, for Chris Paul because that's where it seems to be where Chris Paul is, is heading unbelievably almost. But, I mean, yeah, it- it's just funny because it seems like everybody on the planet could see this coming except for the Wizards front office. But like I said, it's tough for a small market team. You know, it, it, it's tough. I mean, it's it's almost why they have to build through the draft and, and hit on multiple draft picks, not just just one or two, like the like the Wizards did with Beal and Waller. Has to be consistent, but it just kind of seems like everybody saw this coming, except for the Wizards front office. So, yeah, that from a Wizards perspective, those are that's what I think. And then I'll I'll touch on the Suns after after you share. Yeah, I mean, it's I think the Wizards are making the right move at least, just finally entering this rebuild. They've kind of been in this, you know, just they're like not terrible but they're not good and they're just like in this middle ground where they're competing either for like the eight seed or the play-in and that's just not I, I i hate the teams that like tank but at the same time like you got to know when to move on and i think the wizards yeah. in this case are finally making the correct decision and saying you know we need to start tanking basically and try and get to the top of the draft board um and like you said i mean that contract just hindered them i mean for a player of Bradley Beal's caliber, they basically got nothing in return, which yeah. is pretty crazy. Um, it was a straight salary dump, which they had to do, and it makes sense yeah. for the rebuild. You're, you know, freeing up a lot of salary. But that said, obviously, you know, you don't really get anything re- in return for your franchise player that's been there for, you know, I, I don't know how many years, but he's been there a while. He's been so elite. Yeah, and you get nothing in return. It's unfortunate, but I'm happy for Bradley Beal. Um, I think he's the real winner out of this. He's going to go get to play with, KD and Booker, which will be, we'll touch on that in a second, but that's going to be a very interesting trio. But out of Washington, he'll be able to compete. That Suns team, you know, regardless of uh, the lack of surrounding talent, just those three alone, you know, you expect to see them in the playoffs and in serious contention in the Western Conference. But for Washington, yeah, just finally tearing it down, making the right moves. And, uh, you know, unfortunate for that fan base, but at least, you know, this is hopefully the steps towards progress, whereas they've just been in kind of this middle ground, which is almost worse. So, yeah. For sure. All right. So from a son's perspective, obviously I think there are depth depth concerns. Obviously I think there are injury concerns when you have three guys who, who are frankly injury prone. All three of them are, I would be surprised. I think it'd be frankly a surprise if Katie or Beal played above 55 games a piece, you know, that, that number of piece next year, but I still think people are, are massively overthinking this. Okay. So Katie, Katie and Booker barely played together last year. I thought that they clicked magnificently when they. I thought Devin Booker was so outstanding in last year's playoffs. I think he he remain. I think he's taken his game to a whole new level where I'm ready to call him one of the eight or ten best players in the league based on what he's doing every single playoffs run. He just he's so ridiculously efficient from the field. So I I, I think people are are overthinking this because the Suns were the only team I think to even legitimately give Denver a slight push. They were the only team to bring Denver past five games, e- even with, you know, you know, their chemistry being, being low due to Katie's Katie, not really playing. And then you add Bradley Beal. Like, I just think, yeah, they don't have a lot of depth. Yeah. The defense isn't great, but like, 
KD, Booker, and Beal are playing together, I think that, that they'll be the team that'll present the biggest challenge to the Nuggets last year and or next year. And I think once they actually get a lot of games together, people will forget about these depth concerns and, and this and that. And yes, are they going to have maybe the record for the most minimum guys playing on the bench next year? They might, but I still, I don't know. I, I If they can remain healthy, because that's obviously what derailed the Kyrie Harden, uh, KD super team. I, I, I don't, I guess it'll be deemed a failure if they don't win a championship, but I, I still think this is, that this is a team that's, you know, people are saying, Oh, they're going to win 42 to 44 games next year. That's just not something something that I believe. And I think people are overthinking it a little bit. I, I, I think I don't hate it for either team. Honestly, I just think the wizards, you know, return was a reflection of that. No trade clause and they, some, yeah, just that horrible contract. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's funny. You said like, yeah, you know, things will, you know, click or they'll be able to play more when they all, or they'll be able to click more when they all play together. But then at the same time, it's like, like you said, like they all have injury problems, which yeah, was yeah. the, the issue in Brooklyn, I feel like the Brooklyn situation was obviously a little different just because of Kyrie. Um, and you had the whole COVID dilemma. He was hurt. Harden was hurt. Katie was hurt. It was just, they're all hurt. that yeah. was a huge mess. And that was, you had all these conflicting personalities. I think Devin Booker and Bradley Beal are a lot different from Kyrie Irving, James Harden personality wise, but also, you know, I think there's an argument that those two right now are, you know, as good, if not better. I mean, Devin Booker is playing at a, a extremely high level, like you said. And uh, Bradley Beal is an elite scorer. I, I think, you know, it, it's this team, if they are all healthy and they all get some games in, like you said, it should click and they should be elite. I think the thing that interests me the rest of the offseason is the DeAndre Ayton situation because there's already been turmoil with him there. You think maybe if they move him, then you could – you know, fill some depth pieces. I mean, it's almost like if you can move him and get two to three like bench quality players, that could be a huge deal for them just for if depth if purposes. You're not a team around the NBA, right? Like, you don't want to bail Phoenix out. Like, the like giving them anything for DeAndre Ayton is bailing them out. And I, I think owners, I, you know, I've read Chris Haynes' articles. I've been reading a little bit of Woj and Simpson. It seems like I'm sure it'll happen with somebody eventually, but it kind of seems like a lot of these other teams don't want to give Phoenix. Because the, the the view around the league, at least from what I've read, is that giving anything for DeAndre Ayton is just bailing them out of trouble, and you're basically getting negative value. It, no, you're basically giving negative value. You're getting negative value no matter what. And I get if you're a young rebuilding team, like, but like what's the even the appeal at this point for a team like the Pacers or the Pistons for DeAndre Ayton? I, I don't think there is any. Like, and I know the Pacers obviously signed into that offer sheet last season, but I don't I don't see that 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 happening i don't see them pursuing that again so i don't know i think that there's a chance that a lot of teams might just say that you know deandre all we're doing is helping out the suns out is helping out the suns by giving you know taking on deandre Ayton's contract yeah no that makes sense and it'll be interesting to see um you know looking at at the suns in comparison to the rest of the conference i mean they obviously have the the best trio of players i think you could say in terms of you know talent and, and star power um you know, looking, I guess we can kind of shift over to talking about the playoffs this year and just, yeah. you know, where the Nuggets stand or the Suns stand. Obviously, Denver is, uh, you know, we saw, I think, this playoffs. I think this team and Nikola Jokic really earned the respect that they deserved. Obviously, Jokic, you know, the two-time MVP before the season, arguably, you know, should have been, you know, a three-time MVP in the eyes of, of many people. But, um, you know, it seemed like he never ha really had that respect around the league and from NBA fans until this postseason. This team proved, you know, very very hard to beat. They lost four games in the playoffs. So looking at them, do you think Phoenix right now, like how would you say they, they match up in comparison to the Nuggets? And then some of these other Western Conference teams, obviously, you know, you've got the Lakers. They kind of had a good end to their season. Young, you know, teams like the Grizzlies and the Kings maybe, you know, where do you think the Suns kind of stand? I think the West is kind of – I think last year, like it was a shit show last year. I think it'll probably be a shit show again this year with Denver as the clear best team. I think Denver and Phoenix are the two clear best teams. I think I'd probably take Denver to beat them, beat them in the seven game series as of right now. Um, again, because man, like as great as Jokic is, and he's probably at this point one of the 15, 10, 15 greatest players to ever play the game. I mean, really, like if you look at his accolades, they're right there with anybody's. But man, Jamal Murray is just so, so good because. This guy, he's a borderline all-star player in the regular season. I'm not saying he's not a great player. He he is a great player uh, in the regular season. But 
I mean, this guy turns into one of the five or ten best players in the game every postseason. Every it's he averages thirty every postseason. This wasn't just a you know people thought that was a bubble thing, and then he tore his ACL, and then he came out and did here there. And I I respect Denver a lot just because their roster is constructed so excellently around around Nikola Jokic. I think there are a lot of teams in the NBA that could learn how to better construct a roster around their superstar from them. I mean, as as great as Jokic is and as like as revolutionary and generational as he is, they have built. I, I, I'm not even as this, like they've just built the absolute perfect roster to maximize his talents. And he's able to maximize everybody else's talents around them. I I think that they're the clear best team. I would have liked to see them against one of the top dogs in the East though. And, yeah. and I get Miami deserved to be there. I'm not saying they didn't. I just would have liked to see, like to see them against, you know, Boston, Milwaukee, Philly, even like, I just would have liked to see them against one of those top three seeds that weren't Miami. Cause I think Miami just, Jimmy was hurt by the end. He had that ankle issue. I think they yeah. sort of run out of gas. I don't know. I, and I'm not saying it wasn't. There were a lot of really entertaining games in that series. It's just, you know, I, I don't know. I would have liked to see. That's the problem with upset sometimes. You see it in the NCAA tournament. You're like, damn, now I'm watching this. This yeah. play. UConn, even... San Diego State. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I think Denver, you got to give them their props. I mean, the way of they course. played throughout oh, yeah. the regular season and, and in the playoffs, like, I, I still think they're better than Phoenix. And like you said, like, until they're stopped, like Jokic and Murray, like that combination, like you can't beat it. And like they, their wing, their surrounding players, like you said, like MPJ, Aaron Gordon, ACP, Bruce Brown, ACP, Bruce Brown, even Christian Braun. Yeah, you know, they got all these guys. They just, I think, traded for another first rounder this year. Yeah, There's some did. weird trade was, with the Thunder. Yeah, it was. So I mean, basically, the Thunder have too many first round picks. That's how the trade can be something. <laughs> um, but yeah, like this team is, uh, they're just assembled perfectly. They're well coached. So. Phoenix, you got three superstars, and then it's kind of a mess from there. So we'll see if it works out. Obviously, it's, they're going to have the eyes of the whole NBA. Um, I mean, those three – I mean, it's just – it's such an interesting situation because you don't really have a true, like, ball handler on that team. You have a true point guard. You know, you got the other – outside of – if Aiden's there, then the fifth person starting is, like, God knows who at this point. <laughs> God knows who, there's there's no bench. I mean, it's just like a – it, it could be a total shit show. It shouldn't, but it's going to be fun to watch. Let's shift yeah. real quick to the East. Like you said, um, I want to get your thoughts. Obviously, your Philadelphia 76ers came up short once again. Um, yeah. They hire mm-hmm. Nick Nurse as head coach. Doc Rivers finally out of there. But what are your thoughts on what this team needs to do this offseason? Obviously, it seems like James Harden is gone. Um, I think so I you- actually – that I think he'll be back based really? on reporting. So – I think he was gone like two or three weeks ago. I think he was all but gone like two or three weeks ago. And then I think Houston was like, we're not going to offer you a max. Like you don't have a max waiting down here for you. And ever since then, the ship, the reporting and shift from Sh- from Shams and Woj has sort of been, oh, it, it went from, oh, he's torn. And then there was a Chris Haynes article actually that was like, there, there's, you know, 70% chance he's back. I wouldn't be. So here's the thing about the Sixers, right? I went to game six. It was the worst game I've ever been to. They That was the game. They were leading. They were up 3-2. It was the best. So that, that game five was the best game of the NBA era. They dominated from start to finish. It was Joel's best game as, you know, best playoff performances as a sixer. He had 34, seven, and five blocks or something like that. And then we come out. Oh, it's the same thing every year. And uh, it, so much of the blow blame goes to Joel and James for not showing up in game seven. So much of it. Uh, so that's the first thing I want to say. But, man. Does it seem like this happens to a Doc Rivers-led team every season, Griff? Every yeah. season. I mean, going back for how many years? 20 years, this guy. But he's, he's one success, and he, he he's 16 and 33 in elimination games. That's Why right. has he been allowed to coach 49 elimination games? <laughs> or, like, ugh, whatever, I'm just going to – the late game offense for the Sixers was putrid. And then it kind of seems like they just gave up against Boston. I'm getting a lot of emotions out. You know, I've been buried for a couple of months here. But look, I, I, you know, I just think I'm not ready to give up on the Sixers like a lot of people in the town are. Like, I think the whole, like, trade and bead thing was crazy after we lost in the second round. I understand people's sentiments because we've been doing the same thing over and over and over again. It just sucks because we've been so – with three game sevens, dude, three second round game sevens, we can't get the job done at any of these times. I mean – Game six, though, game six at home when Tatum was cold the whole game and then he made four threes in five minutes to close it out. That was that was brutal because they were up two with five minutes left and they just basically couldn't score a bucket. And 
I, I think that's that's how so much of the late game often stagnates. And uh, Tobias Harris, man. I, I've ripped things Tobias Harris so many times on this podcast, but when you watch him and you're like, man, this guy's being paid $40 million this year. Like, think about what we could be doing with that money. You could have, like, the Celtics. They could bring Derek White and Malcolm Brogdon into their guard rotation. Like, th- those are the difference. Those are the difference. That's the difference between these two teams. And also the fact that outside, James Harden had three really good performances in that series. And then for four games, he was the worst player on the court. That can't happen. He needs to be – he he can't either be a superstar or trash. That, that, that can't happen. I don't know. The team will be better. The team, if they bring Harden and Embiid back, the team will win 52 games or around that ne- again next year. But I don't know if they'll get out of the second round. I just don't know. They didn't have a better opportunity than this year. But, you know, they say that every year. And you know what, Griff? I'll be right back around invested saying that they're going to beat whoever they're playing in seven in the second round next year. So those are my thoughts, at least on the Sixers. Then I can let you take it over. Sorry, I just rambled. But I can no, you you're good. I, I mean, I knew I was going to get that out of you. Yeah. So that's why I kind of wanted to ask. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it, I, I don't. I don't know. It's such a tough situation because I think, like, like you said, like if they just bring Harden back. Like, I don't see any way that they just miraculously go on a run and win the finals. Like, I just don't think. I think we've seen this at this point for, like you said, years now, and it's just not. I mean, you obviously we saw it with Ben Simmons, and we've now seen it with Harden for what, like, two years? I guess he's been on the team, and it's just yeah, not. I, it, I, I give him a pass for the first year, but the I, yeah, yeah. Well, this but, year, it, I mean, it's just like. And this year, you know, for the most part, this team was fully healthy in the playoffs, I believe, right? I mean, Joel had a bad injury, but yeah. Yeah, Joel, but, I mean, Joel's always hurt, so <laughs> I guess. That's, that, that, that's a whole different issue, though. It's like, yeah. Not, yeah. Um, um, I don't know. It's a tough situation. I think Nick Nurse is definitely a, a better guy to have in charge, and you got to hope he unlocks something just out of this team or – you know, Tyrese Maxey, I mean, he's such a great player. He would almost have to take, it feels like, another leap yeah, for this definitely. team to really yes. make that jump. And that might be the key. So, I don't know. We'll see. The East is very interesting. Obviously, the Bucks are going to be always good with Giannis. Celtics are always, you know, right in the mix. The Sixers, um, the Heat in the playoff time are just somehow the greatest team of all time. Um, I, don't I don't know. It's just – I just want to bring up one quick point because I feel like yeah. – if Harden leaves this year, did you know that the Sixers would only have $8 million in cap space freed? How crazy is that? $8 million because of the Tobias contract. So it, so you're basically – the problem with not bringing him back would basically be telling Embiid, like, oh, like, stick around a year and, like, wait. Yeah, for you'd him. have nothing for yeah, – I mean, you know, like, then, then next year would absolutely be uh... – a wash. A wash. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that's that's the issue telling your your thirty your nearly thirty year old franchise guy that. So yeah. Well, I saw this actually. I forget who did it. It just came to mind while we were talking about Embiid. But with the NBA draft coming up, I want to play a little game real quick. Sure. It's going to be: Would you trade this player for Victor Wembanyama? Obviously, he's <laughs> going to become a spur on uh, whatever day the draft is. It Tuesday or or no Thursday? The draft the twenty second. It is um, Thursday, yeah. Thursday. So in honor of the NBA draft, we're going to play a little game. I'll give, like, I got a list up of, like, the top guys. So I'll give you, like, I don't know how many we'll do. We won't do too many. But just out of curiosity, start off with some easy ones. Nikola Jokic, I feel like that's a consensus. Easy no. No. Giannis, no. No. Luca, no. I wouldn't, no. Luca's too young. Tatum, no. No, no, you can't trade Tatum. He's been to four Eastern Conference Finals at this point. You can't trade him. You can't trade yeah. him. This one I think is a little interesting. Joel Embiid. No, I wouldn't trade him for – I think if you're not going to trade a guy like Tatum, I don't think you can trade the guy. Embiid is 30. He's had injury concerns. I still wouldn't do it, but I think in a year – if we were having this conversation like one or two years from now, it'd be a yes. Like, the thing is with Vic, like I do think he'll become an all-time great. But at the end of the day, if he becomes what Joel Embiid is now, like nobody's going to be too upset at that. Like, like he's not a bust if that happens. Yeah, like very true. I'm doing it, but obviously I'm right. biased, and you know, he'll like, <laughs> turn thirty next year. But I don't know. I mean, the guy's still. And you got to think about it more, not as like a right now, but like just for the course of the franchise. Because obviously, no, right know, now you're going to take all these guys over, but just like for the future, like yeah. All right, all right. Keep going past Embiid because I think this will probably be where I start to. Kevin Durant. 
yeah, I'd probably trade Kevin Durant for him at this point. It's a tough one. It's just, I mean, you got to, if we're thinking about, I guess, teams aside, or, yeah, I feel like, but how old's Katie? Like 33, 34 at this point? 34, I want to say, maybe 33. 34, 33. Yeah, it's so tough. I mean, with the Suns now making this trade, I'd say no, but I don't know. Turns 35. It turns 35 in September, too. Yeah, then you probably do that. He's getting up there. Steph Curry. I would trade. That's Steph. a tough one, man. Because I still think Steph is so, so good right now. I do too. I just think I, I don't think the Warrior I think the Warriors championship window is shut. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think. Although I would I would be behind that statement more if they were in the well, I think Draymond is probably out of there, right? I don't know where Draymond's going to go. Maybe he could go. I don't know where. I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up in Dallas. I wouldn't be surprised if Draymond ended up in Dallas. That'd be fun. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Steph Curry. <laughs> I think Kyrie Gosh. will be back. Yeah, I think uh, there's a lot of speculation about Kyrie. I think Kyrie will be back in Dallas as well. Yeah, I don't think anyone else wants him, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> I don't think he has much to say. Um, Shy Gillagis Alexander. Wow, that's a really tough one. That's one, the one, I forget who did the video. Shout out to whoever it was on TikTok. But this was one where they were like, wow, that's really tough. Because he's, you know, a young superstar, just averaged over 30 a game. Man, I'm such an SGA fan. Like, I've always been such an SGA fan. But I think for Wemby, dude, I think I would probably trade him for Wemby. But this is a dude that's 24. Like, and he he's gotten better every year he's he's played. Every year he's yeah. played. It's tough, but I think I think I'd go Wemby. I think I'd probably trade him for Wemby. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so tough. Cause that it's is, like, oh. That's probably the toughest one, honestly. Yeah. Uh, I would say the Thunder would do it. So I, I'll say yes. Um, we'll just do a few more here. Dame Lillard, I feel like that's an easy yes at yeah. this point in his career. John Morant, that's a very interesting one. Yeah. Mr. Gun yeah. himself. 25 game suspension. Yeah. Oh, he's it's a tough the one. Way, the way Silver was and like the NBA media was talking, I thought he was gonna be gone for like 50 or 60 games. I mean, no, had, they weren't gonna they did he's too much of a face for like the younger generation that I think you know, obviously he's messed up, but they don't want to take their one of their superstars out of the game for too long. People around him, bro. Like at the end of the day. Yeah. It's a tough one though. Um that is a really tough one too. If he can like stay out of trouble, then he might want Jaw. LeBron, is- obviously, yes. Yeah, LeBron at this point, yeah. I mean, uh, now we're kind of getting into these are easy, like Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, yeah, Jalen Brown, yes. So, um, I can dribble Brown. <laughs> uh, Anthony Davis. Yeah, yeah, always damaged. Jimmy Butler, yeah. All right. Well, I think that does most of the. Uh, yeah, it's definitely an interesting thought experiment, though, because it's like. I, what I about um, Booker? Devin Booker. Like straight up for Wemby, Devin Booker. Can you do that though? Can you do that to a guy who just averaged like thirty-five on like fifty percent shoot, fifty-seven shooting in the playoffs? I wouldn't do that. I don't I think, think Devin I do Booker's it either. Too good. Devin Booker he's is still good. only what? He's still twenty five or twenty six, right? Like, yeah, he's young. Oh. You got to think. It's so interesting because you think about Wemby and all this hype he's gotten, but like, dude is like he hasn't even played a game yet, and like, I mean, obviously that it seems like he's going to be a superstar, but we really don't know, and it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it, it's I, absolutely. I'm of the camp that I'm not really. I don't think he'll be a bust, but I do agree with the point you're making. Like. What if he's just like? It's someone said like. I think the far more interesting turn. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you. I I was just gonna say. I I forget who said this, but the media is making it seem like if this guy turns into Kevin Durant, he'd be a bust. Like. Yeah, like that's what I'm saying. That's what I was saying earlier. Like, if he ends up in this like AD, you know, like Embiid or like whatever tier, like the guy's not a bust. He's one of the greatest big men ever. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like you know, I mean. He, the problem is he's got the LeBron hype, and after LeBron has, I mean, we haven't, we haven't seen a prospect like this. 
theoretically since LeBron and seeing how LeBron has turned out as, you know, a top two player of all time. Now the pressure's on Wemby to be, you know, of that caliber and be a, a top five great of all time. I mean, if he's, I think you could say he was overhyped if he doesn't finish his career as a top five, 10 player of all time, like easily. Yeah, I mean, in terms of media overhyping, I agree, but I don't think – I just feel bad for him at this point because <laughs> – Yeah. He has such oh, a, the pressure is crazy. It's – And especially because there are some dudes behind him too in this draft. Like, Scoot Henderson is a mother – he's a motherfucker, dude. Like, that's <laughs> like, I don't yeah. know. I also think the talk about drafting Brandon Miller over him at two potentially is absolutely nuts. But that's another – that's a whole another point separately. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I think Wemby's Wemby's going to be a great NBA player. I don't know how great he's going to be. I, I I'm not one of those guys. I, I I find those people annoying. Like you see them on TikTok or like on Twitter that are like, oh, like they, they it's so clearly because they just want to be contrary and they're like, Wemby's going to be a bust. He's going to like shatter all his bones his first year in the NBA. Like, how's he going to guard and beat or Jokic? Like, who can guard and beat or Jokic at the end of the day? Like, yeah. like, <laughs> he, like he. Exactly. He'll have just as much success as anybody else guarding those guys. So that, that that's my, you know, I, I think he'll be great. I mean, I, I hope he succeeds because, you know, there are going to be so many people waiting to tear him down as soon as he gets in the Spurs jersey. Yep. It's going to be very interesting to watch. We'll talk a little more next week about uh, the draft and kind of what goes down. Obviously, outside of that first pick, it kind of gets a little fishy. You know, teams might be trying to trade up, trade down. Yeah. So um, if any big moves happen, we'll talk about them next week. I want to jump over. Uh, we'll end the episode by talking some MLB. Unfortunately, um, <laughs> it's been a rough year, but we'll uh, we'll switch to the NFL for a bit. And uh, I want to talk about the storyline of the entire offseason, in my opinion. Aaron Rodgers traded to the New York Jets, huge blockbuster deal. Obviously, the window is now for the Jets. You know, it's uncertain how much longer Rodgers is going to play. If it's going to be a year, if he's going to play for two more years. Seems like he's having fun in New York. You see him out at uh, Taylor Swift concerts. At, you know, Nick's. him and Sauce Gardner seem to have yeah. a Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the Jets, obviously, you know, one of the best young cores in the league. So, Rob, what are your thoughts? Obviously, the, I mean, I was looking at, I forget, I think it was maybe ESPN that posted it or something, ranking the top quarterbacks in the NFC. And it is an absolute joke. The NFC yeah, is like, such a like, joke compared to the AFC. Like, the AFC has, it, it's yeah. crazy how, like, if you put like, let's say the Cleveland Browns in the NFC, like the Browns are probably like a three or a four seed in that conference. Yeah, yeah, probably. I think the Browns will be good, by the way, this year, but that's the whole... Um, yeah, well, discussion. the Jets. What are your thoughts on the Jets? We'll, like, we'll talk about that later, but um, <laughs> no, I, I love the trade for the Jets at the time. Like, you can't roll into... Like, if they had any sort of competent quarterback play, no disrespect to Mike White. I love Mike White, obviously, but um, I, I think, you know, they probably would have walked into the playoffs last year, honestly. Yeah. They're deep. Defense is good. They've got so much young talent, like you said. They've got what's what's Mackay back? It should back to be back this year. Is he going to be? What, what's I think he's stat? like competing to start at right tackle. Is what the gotcha. latest. I've yeah, heard. I remember. Yeah. It sucks for him, man, because he was you know one of the more highly thought of offensive line prospects in the league, and he just you know. Yeah. Did they have was that the Tristan Wirfs draft? Yes, yes. And Tristan Wirfs went after. It went Thomas. Jedrick Wills. I, I know Beckton went last. I don't. I can't remember if Wills or Wirfs went first. I think, yeah, I forget. Okay, but Beckton was last. Yeah, that was the 2020 draft. Hold on, let me. I'll check right now because I. I let me let me fact check myself. Um, it was definitely Thomas at four. I feel like Wirfs was like no Beckton. No, no, Wirfs went last. Beckton went. You're right. Yeah. Wirfs went two. Thomas went at four. Uh, Wills went at ten, Beckton went at eleven, and Buck and Wirfs went at thirteen. So all, all in similar ranges, but yeah, well, Wirfs instead of Beckton. I mean, oh my god, that would have been. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh yeah. Trust me, we're, trust me though. Beckton would be the superstar with Tom down. Oh yeah, he would have. Yeah. He would have been the greatest lineman of all time. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, but listen, I I think the Aaron Rodgers trade was an absolute necessity. I mean, I think the whole situation, you know, leading up to the trade was super weird to the point where. <laughs> if he was going to get traded or just straight up retire. Um, mm. Which, you know, I mean, that wouldn't be too out of character for Aaron Rodgers. Um, but look, I mean, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be really freaking good next year. I think he was playing through an injury like all of last year. He was the back-to-back -back MVP before, you know, he was he was the reigning back-to-back -back MVP before last season. I think he's going to be fantastic in the AFC. 
Do I think he's going to be, do I think the Jets are going to be good enough at least right now to beat the Chiefs or the Bengals? Probably not. Do I think that they can win the AFC East? Yeah, I do. I actually really do think that they can be, that they can be better than Buffalo this year. I don't know how much I believe in the Buffalo Bills. I actually think outside of their, their I think their roster outside of Josh Allen and, and, and Diggs, who by the way, seem to, you know, their, their, that relationship may be getting a little bit tense or at least yeah. you know, Diggs' relationship with the Bills organization. I think their roster is pretty mid. And I think that they get, you know, they're kind of the, the Philadelphia Sixers of the NFL almost, you know, every year that they're, they're really good in the regular season, people start to hype them up. And then every year it's, you know, it's the second, it's, it's, it's an early exit for them. And I don't know. They, uh, I, I just, I have faith in Aaron Rodgers. Like I'm never going to disparage Aaron Rodgers, like Aaron Rodgers. I know he wasn't himself last year. Like I said, I thought he was hurt. I think it's a trade you actually have to make. I don't feel bad for Zach Wilson because of his personality and the way he's acted up until now. But I did feel kind of bad for him when a sauce Gardner and the rest of the Jets defense is openly lobbying for Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> you know, saying now we've got a real, real quarterback here. Are they wrong? No, they're not wrong. But it, you know, still maybe, <laughs> maybe not the best thing to put out there publicly. But I don't know. I I, I think yeah. Rodgers Jets will be will be will work out. I just don't know if they're you know Chiefs or Bengals level good. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I mean, I, I think the Chiefs and Bengals are the uh, the elite of the AAC, and like you said, like Buffalo. I feel like. I mean, I'll never forget the media hype they got before the season last year. I mean, that was yeah, unlike anything I've yeah. ever seen. That was the crazy – it was like they played a close game with the Chiefs and everyone, you know, said this team is going to be – I mean, I've never seen – it's like it's still to this day, I ranted about it last year, I've never seen every analyst and every personality pick one Super Bowl team to win it. And then they got, what, bounced in the fucking divisional round? Like, I mean – yeah, like and bow, like, they got and they got their ass beat. And remember yeah. that they only lost that they lost to a Skylar Thompson led. They are sorry, they should have lost to a Skylar yeah. Thompson led offense team. It's just, I mean, Josh Allen's a great player. He was obviously he obviously had the elbow injury last year, but we've seen this yeah. team. I mean, like you said, they've run it out there the same year. There's no they brought in Von Miller. He tore his ACL. Obviously, it's I don't know what his status is this year when with when he'll play because obviously that happened late in the year. Um, so a lot of Bills fans, the Bills fans I follow on Twitter. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Keep going. I was just saying. No, I, like, I don't. The Bills yeah. fans I follow on Twitter. He might be back mid-season, but he says he'll be back at the beginning of the season. You can never believe him, though. I don't. You can never believe. Yeah. Him. So I don't know, but like you said, um, I think the AFC East is going to be really competitive. I wouldn't count out the Dolphins though, too. I think the Miami Dolphins are going to be really freaking good. I mean, that offense, especially if they go out and sign like Dalvin Cook, like that's a, a star-studded team, and uh, you know, adding Jalen Ramsey's big. What do you say? I said you've been a big Mike McDaniel guy since you got there. I do. Sure. I really like. I mean, he's obviously a fun personality, but I think he's a good coach too. And and I think that team is going to be really good. I mean, they've made all the right and big moves. It seems like so. I think they should be good. Um, it's a really competitive division, and you know, it's going to be. It's all going to depend on those interdivision games. I mean, those six games. Whoever does the best. Even if New England, I mean, New England's always a team I, that, yeah, you know, you can't count out. Obviously, like, I don't think they're that good, but they're so well coached and and you can never count them out. If they go five and one in divisional play, they're going to win the division. So um, it's going to be very interesting to see. I think it's the right move, like you said. And and like you said, last year with Rodgers, I mean, you look at the people he was throwing to. I mean, he also lost Devontae Adams and, and was basically throwing a bunch of rookies. I mean, now he's got – you've got Garrett Wilson there. You've got um, – trying to think of all the guys. Alan Lazard, who was, you know, the guy he clicked with the most, it seemed like, in Green Bay. Nicole Hardman's a, a big speed threat. Corey Davis is solid. Um, Ideally, you know, the Jets would love another wide receiver. Ideally. Odell, <laughs> I think, would have been fun. I, I, D-Hop even would have been cool. I mean, I really wanted them in the draft. I think biggest mistake they made was not taking Jackson Smith and Jigba in the draft. I think that would have been the most electric with Garrett Wilson, but also just you have two superstar young wide receivers and that would it oh my god i mean it's just they obviously didn't think that was the move i think that will be a huge mistake i think jackson smith and jigba is going to be an absolute superstar especially in seattle i mean that offense is going to be electric that seattle team i mean talk about the quickest rebuild in history i mean they they didn't even there was no rebuild they made the playoffs and oh my god but yeah i think rogers it's going to be a lot of fun obviously though there's a ton of pressure on the jets it kind of feels like Obviously, Jets Mets seems to be kind of a combo. It feels like a little bit with the Mets, like this offseason when they spend all that money. And obviously, that has not gone to plan. We'll touch on that in a little bit. But um, 
you know, the pressure is on. And and it seems like, especially with Rodgers, you know, the way the media kind of paints him as the villain at this point, obviously him and the media don't really have a great relationship. Any little thing, any little mistake, it's going to be crucified. So the Jets, I'm excited to see what happens. I think they've got some of the best young players in the league. And uh, the AFC as a whole, though, I mean, oh, my God, you've got – Yes. The, the it's the amount of young quarterbacks in this conference is flat out ridiculous. I and just love you know you Jalen you know Jalen's all on Jalen is all on his own in the NFC, so that's fine with me. Fine. Literally, I mean it's and even like in the draft this year in the AFC South, like the worst division, you've now got CJ Stroud, you've got Anthony Richardson, Trevor Lawrence, and then you know, Will Levis seems to eventually be the heir to Ryan Tannehill. So you got four really young quarterbacks in the worst division. I mean, it's just it's it's crazy to see how weak the uh, quarterbacks are in the NFC. But, um, yeah, I mean, that kind of does it, I think, with the Rodgers stuff. Um, real quick, the NFL draft obviously um, went well for your Philadelphia Eagles landing Jalen Carter. Um, <laughs> pretty crazy. And Nolan Smith, too. I mean, they had a really good draft. Um, your thoughts? I mean, any, any picks or players that uh, stood out to you outside of uh, – I mean, you can touch on the Eagles, too, but any – any moves that stood out to you? Yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of the Anthony Richardson at four pick. Like, I wasn't – I don't know. I kind of think – I really like him and a guy like Shane Steichen, who was obviously the offensive coordinator. Shane Steichen was the offensive coordinator for the Birds last year. Um, I don't know. I, I just kind of like it. I They were super interesting to me, the disconnect of how Richardson and Levis were thought of because I think, like, there was this uh, – like, or at least, you know, there was this tendency to sort of group them together before the draft about, uh, you know, maybe Richardson will go – four and Levis will go seven or blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, Levis will go right after, you know, you didn't see Levis go until pick 33. So, I mean, pick 33, right? I think that's where he went. Um, yeah. Let me check. Yeah. 30, uh, 34. I think it was. 34. You could be right. Yeah. yeah. So, so oh, no, 33. Cause the Dolphins lost their first round. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought. Um, I don't know. I, I like the Richardson pick. I, I'm a guy who I actually think is gonna who thinks that Anthony Richardson is gonna be pretty freaking good in the NFL. Um, I know he, he's really raw, but he's so young. Um, and I think like like I, I'm actually I was a big fan of the top three guys in the quarterback class coming out this year. I think Young, Stroud, and and Richardson are all gonna be pretty good. So at least that's my quarterback from from my takeaway from the QB class. And then obviously I think Jalen Carter to the Eagles. I know that would have never happened with the off field stuff, but he seems to be locked in and motivated since he's gotten here. Like you see the quotes, you see the quotes from his teammates. It seems as though Jordan Davis was almost like his like caretaker. He like looked out after him at Georgia. So now that they're reunited again, I don't know. I mean, I, I you know, there's the first couple of days of free agency for the Eagles. I was sort of worried that, that, you know, obviously the team and, uh, you know, we were getting clowned all over Twitter and social media that, you know, all our, our whole starting defense up. And now I think you can make an argument that this year's team is equally as talented as last year's team. I think they're going to run through the NFC again. That's, that's my, that's my prediction, but what are other picks I liked? I mean, I, like you said, I like uh, JSN to the Seahawks. I think that was an electric pick. I mean, yeah, I hated the Cowboys draft. I thought their draft sucked, which is always good. Uh, Mazzy Smith at 26 and then yeah uh, that that uh, I mean I, I'm very bullish on the birds right now that's that's basically my main takeaway yeah I mean I think you know the Eagles should be the hands down favorite to win the NFC I think the only team that could compete with them is San Francisco um, I think San Francisco outside of quarterback has the most star power of any team in the NFL Um so I think, you know, between those two teams, you'll you'll have your NFC champion. I would favor the Eagles. Um, but obviously San Francisco, you know, obviously injuries can happen. So we'll see what happens. And, yeah, you know, definitely. San Francisco, it seems like they'll go with Brock Purdy. But, you know, you've got – it's so crazy. I mean, if they never Darnold, made that trade lands Sam, trade. Sam Darnold, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a start out there at one point this yeah, year. I'm sure yeah. they'll – if Purdy doesn't go well, I'm, I'm sure they're just going to rotate through everyone. But it's crazy that – Think back to that Trey Lance pick, trading three first rounders. I mean, what could have been if they never made that trade? It's pretty, pretty wild. Do you, um, so do you think that there's? Do you think that there was any credence to the rumor then that Shanahan actually did want Mac Jones at that pick, and that Lynch and them overruled? <clears throat> I don't know. I, <laughs> I still think they should have taken Justin Fields, and I think uh, I, I think so is, too. I think so I mean, too. It, I think so his, too. Justin Fields' slide was. The Jets should have taken stupid. Justin Fields. The Jets, yeah. it, it, the Jets and the 49ers should have both taken Justin Fields. 
I mean, imagine the 49ers offense with Justin Fields. I know that, you know, his throwing has been clowned or whatever, but just imagine the rushing ability with CMC and then you've got Kittle and Debo. I mean, Matt, oh my God, like <laughs> that would be, I mean, that then they would really be able to, I think, to compete with the birds and that's going to be fun. But yeah, like you said, um, in terms of good graphics, I think uh, interesting ones, I think or. I liked Paris Johnson to the Cardinals. I thought the Cardinals did really well getting the Texans first round pick too. That whole trade was, I thought the Texans would trade the Cleveland pick and then that would make sense. But when I heard they traded their own first, yeah, basically, that really made absolutely no sense. Texans have to uh, win as many games as possible next year. No benefit in tanking for them. Like they have to go straight into winning next year. Yeah. Which is going to be a little tough. I mean, they're outside of, you know, Stroud and Damian Pierce, that offense is a, uh, Cooked. Yeah, Laramie Tunsil. Laramie Tunsil. Give credit to Laramie Tunsil. Laramie yeah, Tunsil. well, I meant weapon. Weapons yeah, weapon wise. Laramie yeah. Tunsil's a, a good player. And I think they traded for Shaq Mason, too, who's, you know, not terrible. Yeah. Um, so they got some guys on the line. But, yeah, weapons-wise, not very good. I guess they drafted Tank Dell. Um, so maybe he'll turn out to be something. Um, yeah, him and Seahawks, like you said, really, really good, really good draft. Um, yeah, I mean, I think – the winners for the draft have to be, you know, Philly. I think Houston did. Good. I think I'm happy Houston took CJ Stroud. I think CJ Stroud's going to be really good. Um, I mean, you just look at how he played in college, and this, that Georgia game, I think, is the the one. Like him and Field both interestingly had like a big, like a defining game in their in the college football playoff. Like Fields' game against Clemson to me was the one where I was like, okay, this guy could be an absolute superstar in the NFL. And I think Stroud's game against Georgia was. One of the best quarterbacking performances yeah. I've ever seen in a in a college football game. I mean, he was unstoppable. Even when Marvin Harrison went down. I mean, if Marvin Harrison was yeah, didn't get injured, that Ohio State wins that game and you know it goes on to win the national championship. So, if Jamison Williams and Marvin Harrison don't get hurt in the last two game, the last two playoff games against Georgia in twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two, twenty twenty two and twenty twenty three, I should say. 21 and 21 and 22 seasons. You can make the argument that Georgia has, you know, zero national championships right now, but, but you know, like if Sands life won, happens, Stetson Bennett, you know, age 26 to the, the ramp fourth round pick. Very interesting. Um, I don't know. I feel like we're rambling a little bit about the NFL draft, so we can move on. Bijan at eight and Jameer at 12. Bad, bad, especially Jameer at 12. Uh, I, it's I, a, it's an interesting pick. I, I mean, Bijan is like the the Falcons are just like their defense is not good, and their offense is like you got these three star skill players you drafted, but who knows if Desmond Ritter is going to be? I mean, this is a make or break year for Desmond Ritter. If he's bad, you got to draft a quarterback next yeah. year, especially you know that quarterback class next year is very good as well. Um, it's a make or break year for him, but like, yeah, like you said, it's going to be super interesting. Um, the Jameer Gibbs pick, I mean, it just made no sense with the, the Lions draft, signing David Montgomery. They had Swift, too. They, Swift's now an eagle, which I forgot about until the yeah. other day. Yeah, so that's going to be interesting. I mean, it's, yeah, interesting pick. But if he turns out to be, like, the thing about running backs are, if they turn out to be, like, superstars, like, look, like, they're going to be such a key piece of the team. But, like, it's just such a, you know, kind of replaceable position. And, yeah, it's a, they could have, you know, they could have used the pick better, but I don't know. Lions had a weird draft. I mean, that's we don't even have to get into yeah. all it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, all right, let's move on. We'll end the episode. Some MLB talk. It's been a very interesting year, very uh disappointing year for my New York Mets, unfortunately. Um, you know, it's been really interesting though. The Texas Rangers are really good, the Baltimore Orioles are really good, Tampa Bay is really good, the NL, it looks like the Braves are uh Yes, Braves are gonna, yeah, they are just unstoppable. I don't know yeah, if they're the gonna, though, I think it, it might, yeah, the Phils are playing well. Huge series tomorrow, a huge series starting tomorrow. Yeah, so. Mets are gonna get swept in Houston. I mean, let's talk about the Mets. Obviously, they yeah, have basically about the most, the most hype before the season, and uh, they've got one of the worst pitching staffs I've ever seen. I mean, when your two <laughs> supposed, <laughs> you know, aces and Cy Youngs are, you know, in the four fives with their ERA, it's not gonna be good. So, um, yeah, I mean, where do you even start? Like the, obviously the offense has had struggles. Like Lindor hasn't been great. Um, you know, Marte has had a very slow start. 
Beatty, you know, hasn't come up and been super, you know, like a, he hasn't played like a stud by any means, but like the offense isn't necessarily the problem. It's been the pitching and, you know, Scherzer has been terrible. If he doesn't turn around, like they're screwed. Verlander, Verlander has had a few bad starts, but like you see the flashes of him being the Cy Young. I'm not as worried about Verlander. I think, you know, he started off the year with the injury. I think he'll, he'll turn it around. Senga has been pretty good, although a little shaky. But then after that, it's just like, Tyler McGill and Carlos Carrasco, like these guys are bums. Like they're just flat out terrible. The bullpen losing Edwin Diaz obviously really, really hurt this team. But outside of David Robertson, you know, no one in that bullpen. And Brooks Raley's been all right, but like no one in that bullpen is is good. And and that's the pitching has just been terrible. And and I, I just don't see any way for this team to really recover unless one Max Scherzer, Max Scherzer and JV basically have to you know pitch like true aces the rest of the way, I think, for this team to have a shot at a wild card. Obviously, the division's gone at this point. They need to pitch lights out. You know, McGill and, and Carrasco, they just have to be at least serviceable pitchers. And then the bullpen, I mean, I mean, it's just like they basically – any guy who gets DFA'd or they can find off the streets, they'll throw in the bullpen and, and give them a uniform. So it, it's just a rough, rough bullpen. Um, it's been disappointing, but – at this point, it's just not a fun team to watch. Like, it's just like they just pitch and gets rocked. I mean, they scored seven runs yesterday and they lost. And that it's the pitching is just terrible. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I was talking to James actually yesterday and he was saying, we were saying the exact same thing that you were that I, I'm way more concerned about Scherzer than I am Verlander because I think Verlander, yeah. well, I think you'll probably see Verlander back in Scion form by the end of the year. But like, yeah. Scherzer just looks cooked like like he just looks old out there yeah. like something that you never like never something that I'd see from Max Scherzer and of course Griff right after you guys just have our number man like because you guys yeah suck. we'll and probably then, we'll probably get swept by the Astros and then sweep you this weekend yeah like and then we, lose 10 in a row <laughs> no we got we got swept by you guys then won our next you know the 13 out of our next 15 which you know yeah. three teams in the NL East have now done by the way the, over their last 15 games which the Marlins is yeah unbelievable I mean Luis Arias, MVP, MVP. But he's uh, fallen off a little bit since that. Once the media gets you, it was uh, an inevitable. No, he's, fall. He, I mean, he's still hitting 390. At no, I know. <laughs> I mean, if he hits 390, if he hits 390 by the end of the year, no. But um, look, look, I mean, like you said, I mean, I mean, the Mets, they, they've, I, I, they've been just, I, I thought. Like, I don't want to, like, talk shit in the Mets right now because I know, like, in three months when they're, like, 15 games above 500, I'm just going to be, like, looking No, at that's not going to happen. You know yeah. that's not happening. That's I, just, look, I'm trying there's to – There's no way – there's no way with the pitching. Unless they make, like, a big time – like, there's just no way. Scherzer would have to – I just don't think there's any way that happened. I think it so much depends on Scherzer turning it around. Like, so much. Um, yeah. I mean – our. our I'm just like more surprised about their season than anything. Cause I, you know, like I was look, I mean, I'll take it from the Phil's perspective, at least for a second. Like, I think like you have, you've had Nola, you had Nola, you had Nola struggling for a while and he sort of like put, turn it down, like, like sort of ratcheted down a little bit, but like every, I don't know. I mean, I just think, let me collect my thoughts here for a second about the Mets. <laughs> I'm sort of just rambling, but I mean, I, the pitching, like you said, has just been so horrendously terrible. Like, I'm not really sure there's much to say past that. Like, and bullpen, like, there's just no pitching depth. It seems, it seems out there in New York. Like, it's just over and over. Like, I mean, you lost the series to the Cardinals, the Pirates. It's like the bottom of the bit. Like, obviously, the Pirates haven't been horrendous this year, but. Bottom of the bear. We are the bottom of the bear. You are the bottom of the bear. I mean, (laughs) correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that you guys are just as far from the top of a wild card or from a wild card spot as you are from last place in the NL. I think that's right. I think it's five. It might be around, probably around that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm happy to see it, but look, like the, I just, I don't want to do this right now because I just think it's I I still believe that they'll turn it around eventually. I that's my prediction. I think the Mets will turn it around. I think we're too far. Like at this point, I mean, it's June nineteenth. Like we're pretty far into the season at this point. That's kind of the thing. If we were still in May, I'd be like, all right, you know, like we'll see. But like I, I don't know. I 
I think it all like it doesn't all point to this, but Edwin Diaz going getting out for the year yeah. just oh, like yeah. screwed this team because you got to think about it. Like if you had obviously the rotation has sucked and that's been like that's interchangeable, but the bullpen has been so bad. And if you had Diaz in the ninth and moves Robertson up an inning, and then like then you've got like you can mess around with guys like Ottavino, Rayleigh, and, and Drew Smith for like two three innings. Yeah, and then but the could... starting pitching has been terrible too. Like the Mets, I believe when their starter goes six innings, are nineteen and two. Wow, like. Wow, it's that's like, a ridiculous stat considering what their record is. That's a exactly stat. like they just their starting pitching is getting them no distance. They're just getting, I mean, fastball down the dick, and it's out of the barely like going. That's why I saw that Scherzer is barely going into games at this. Like he's barely even. Yeah, he's just he runs out of gas, and then he just gets rocked, and then it's it's by the time you know. I mean, he had like this guy Scherzer had a five-one lead against the Yankees against that the Yankees lineup is. We'll talk about the Yankees in a second. Um, and then a, a big lead against Atlanta. I mean, he's just cooked, I think. And the back of the rotation are, is terrible. The only guys right now I have like faith in are, are Verlander and Senga. And outside of that, the rotation is, is pretty cooked. So I don't know. We'll see. Obviously, um, <laughs> you guys are missing Taiwan, I guess. <laughs> no, we're missing Chris. Ba- Chris Bassett's the one I wish we. No, we no, kept. no, no, no. I know, I know. Ty has been uh, not very good, but been good. Marcus Marcus Stroman having the best ERA in baseball just makes. Yeah, me I mean, he's been the best, arguably the best right hander in baseball this year. I mean, just ridiculous. I I know that he, I can imagine how badly you were fuming when he when he threw eight scoreless against you guys. Um, I mean, I knew it was gonna happen. Like that was like <laughs> the most predictable game in in history. Um, let's move away from the Mets. Let's talk about the the New York Yankees real quick. Um, I I don't know about you. The well, first of all, this team is. I mean, this team is garbage. I, even with Judge, like they're not gonna do anything in my opinion. Uh, come playoff time. Um, I, I miss your Yankee haterness so much, Griff. Keep going, keep going. Um, <laughs> one guy that just like I, I almost feel bad for the kid is Anthony Volpe. Like they they made this kid out to be the next Derek Cheater, and like I do genuinely feel bad for him because like obviously he's struggled immensely. He clearly is not ready for the major leagues, and it, it's just like all these. I mean, the first week this guy like walked and stole a base, and Yankee fans were like, "Oh my god, this guy's the greatest <laughs> thing of all time." And now this guy's hitting like 190 fucking sucks. Like he's terrible. Like he he's not terrible, but he's young and he's just not ready for the major leagues. And I feel bad for the kid. But yeah, this Yankee team, you look at the lineup they're running out. They just got swept by Boston. This team sucks. Like they've got a good bullpen and Garrett Cole has been great. And outside of that, you know, like without judge, this team is awful. I don't know. What are your thoughts? I, I just think the Yankees are – I, I I thought they'd be – it's, like, surprising. I thought – obviously, they managed to get more wins than, like, the Mets, but, like, it's another disappointment. Like, this team is just not built well. Like, their lineup is just terrible. Yeah, they're also competing in a ridic- – they're also in a ridiculously competitive yeah. division. I mean, I – Every I, team in that division is, like, It's solid. good. I think yeah. it's – I think what you're saying about, you know, the lineup being mid to bad and, I mean, of course, the pitching is – the pitching the, – the bullpen. They're banged up, too. Like, credit – like, give them, like – Having Vader out and I, I think how much of it is amplified because you're playing with two of the five best teams in baseball in your division right now. Like, like, and every team in that division, like you said, is sharp. I mean, like, I think that <laughs> like, if you want my prediction, like, I think that they'll do the the classic Yankees thing. Like, I think they'll get in the playoffs probably, and then they'll lose in the ALDS, like, in in, in four games. Like, I don't know. I just don't think that they're. I don't really like. They're not going anywhere deep in the playoffs, like you said. Like their their lineup is just terrible. And I mean, Aaron Judge is such a monster, man. I'm such he's an Aaron so Judge. good. He's so good. I mean, he's just so good. I'm just thinking that, like, he's just so unbelievably good. Like, I mean, he I I I always say he's the best non Otani player in baseball for my for my money. Like, that's just yeah. Right now, right now, you have to put him over Trout for sure. Yeah. I, I think right now. Um, I mean, yeah, Mike Trout with his 130 OPS plus, the worst, the worst OPS plus of his freaking career is 130. Before that, it was 167, which is just, which just almost sounds like a fake stat. But um, yeah, Shohei who can't stop slugging, can't stop slugging right now, dude. Let's talk about Shohei real quick. Yeah, yeah. Like, what kind of contract is this guy gonna get? Like, it's gonna be. It should be like it. it 
I don't know how much – Like, he's, like – think about it. Like, if he was just a hitter, like, he would get, like, a – I mean, I guess he doesn't really play a position. So, he, as a DH, he'd probably get, what, like, $200 million Two, contract mid, or so? Mid, I'd say mid-200s for him. He's a monster. Yeah. I mean, he's, like, hitting 300 with, like – Yeah, with, like, leading – base or, like, 50 runs. runs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah um, while dealing, by the way, while dealing on the – And you, like, just isn't a pitcher. He's got, like, a 3-2 three, three, ERA with, like – third and strikeouts like that's probably another i i don't know maybe he'd be like eh, 175 200 million dollar range but then you combine it into one yeah. player uh. yeah it's gonna, <laughs> it's gotta be like five six hundred million i think he'll be a dodger i know we've kind of i feel like yeah, we've we talked had, about this uh, off air a little bit yeah um I, I was hoping more the Mets, but after this season i feel like he'd be like why the fuck would i come here like this team sucks um Oh, but I would do criminal things to get Shohei Otani oh, on my man, baseball dude. team, dude. I would, I would do horrendous things <laughs> on the Phillies. Horrendous things, girl. I think the only thing that keeps me hopeful about the Mets is that you know we got Billy Epler who signed him with the Angels. We got Kodai Senga, fellow you know Japanese pitcher. You know we'll probably be able to give him the biggest <laughs> offer. Like I, I think Steve Cohen won't, wouldn't be outbid. No, I just I, think I just think Shohei would uh rather go to the the Dodgers probably. It's just oh my god, Shohei on that team too. Oh my god. Shohei bets Freddie Freeman and then in the rotation you've got him, Walker Bueller coming back, Tony Gonslin, they re-sign Urias. <laughs> yeah, that's just stupid. Yeah, and he he's gonna be a Dodger. Like I, I think it's almost like I would put my house on it that he's gonna be a Dodger at this point. Like yeah, it's... and because they they have money to spend too, it's terrible, dude. It's a terrible thing. <laughs> terrible. How do they do it? Like it's actually just so like envious. Like, <laughs> like the last like, and it's they they don't even like they've had one World Series in the past what like thirty years to show for yeah, it or something. something. Yeah, but really? like they but just they, always get he, the superstars. Like they yeah. got they've got Moogie Betts, Freddie Freeman. They've had Trey Turner. They had Max Scherzer. Like every. Yeah. Freaking superstar you can think of. Just ridiculously stupid. A monkey is just unbelievable, dude. Monkey is so good. I mean, who's going to win National League MVP? It'll be Acuna, right? Acuna, yeah. He's come back and he's really again. Like, what if what if Arias ends the year hitting like 402? Like, can you not give it to him if he hits over 400? I don't if think the Marlins make the playoffs, I feel like he, he it would be interesting, which they're on pace to do. Yeah. Um, if they miss the playoffs, then no. But no, agreed. If they did, it's interesting. Sandy Alcantara, he's been terrible this year. Terrible, like and, they still, year. and they've still been. I know good. it's crazy. He's gonna definitely come back and just yeah. shove for the second half and but be that's like a scary because I don't know if they're actually good or not. Like I don't know the problem with them. If the, them being fraudulent is that their best player is currently sucking. So like, if their best player stops sucking, then how? Like that's what I'm saying. Like how can I call them frauds when their best player is playing like shit? Like that's yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, I mean. Real quick to end the episode, like obviously there's been a lot of surprises. I would say Texas to me has been the the biggest one, just because I mean Tampa Bay was expected to be good, but t- Texas wasn't expected to be anything with Degrom going out. Yeah, who, who would you say is your biggest like surprise team or team that's exceeded expectations that you think can keep that up and actually compete for a championship? Baltimore. Baltimore. I mean, I think I thought that they were going to take a leap. I thought that they might have snuck into a wild card spot, but. I didn't expect them to near, you know, nearly twenty games over five hundred midway through June, and I think that they, I think it'll be tough to compete with Tampa Bay, you know, especially because they're not they're not going to win their division, so they'll they'll obviously have to play through the wild card round. But I think that they they can compete with anybody. I think that I mean they've been my biggest surprise, but watching them, I mean, I love the way. Who they're are their like starting pitchers? I feel like I haven't watched much Baltimore baseball because I feel like the rotation isn't like is it good or is it. It's been good this year. A lot of people are crediting Adley are saying that basically Adley. And you know who's been their ace all year long, funny enough? Is it Kyle Gibson? <laughs> Kyle motherfucking Gibson, dude. What's his year, right? I couldn't tell you that exactly. Let me I'll look, look it up. Let me look up Kyle Gibson right now. Because I was just I was thinking about it the other day, actually. And I was just like, look at this. this dude's shoving. Look at his last three starts. I mean, not long, but like he's you know, he's not giving up any runs. Let's see the year. I know Kyle Gibson's been excellent all year. I know three. I mean three nine four. He's been fine. He's been good. Three nine four is solid. Yeah. Yeah. That's so crazy. Crazy. He's been good. 
Is it funny so, that this guy's the eighth because he was just so unbelievably goddamn ass as the Phillies like fifth starter? Yeah. Yeah. Their starting pitching though hasn't even been that good. That's the crazy thing. Like their lowest guy is what Tyler Wells, three two ERA, and then I mean it's kind of like their bullpen's been good, obviously with Batista and Cano, but it's so, their bats are just electric. It's so interesting. They're such an interesting team. They really are. Definitely. Like they, I don't get how they're. They're so weird. Like looking at these stats, you'd just be like, "How is this team as good as they are?" <laughs> All right. Well, I think that will do it for this episode of Outside the Arena. Um, happy to be back. We'll definitely have a lot more content coming out soon. Hopefully, maybe even get some guests on here. Um, try and get that rolling again. If you haven't already, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at Outside the Arena Podcast. Check us out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts there at Outside the Arena as well. Happy to be back um, and stay tuned. We'll definitely have an episode out next week. So thanks for watching this episode of Outside the Arena.